Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Capital Club Podcast. I'm your host, Brian C. Adams. Tune in weekly to hear from top industry leaders as we discuss relevant topics in the world of business, investing, health and wellness, geopolitics, and more. To learn more about the show, visit excelsiorgp.com slash podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Capital Club Podcast. Today I have with me Ethan Bull. Ethan is a co-founder of Pro Assisting, a next-generation remote executive assistance firm for business owners and C-suite executives. With a background in hospitality and an expert in the EA space, Ethan has held a variety of senior positions, including Director of Administrative Services and Senior EA to the President and CEO at Rochester Regional Health. Ethan, thanks so much for joining us today. Brian, thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's always fun to have what well, we're going to get a little bit technical for people who aren't familiar with our part of the world. I would consider you from Western New York and I'm from upstate New York, which are two different things. But I think for most folks, it's conflated as just not New York City, but it's always good to have somebody from my part of the world on the show. So, yeah, it, it was always funny when I was in New York City and I'd meet someone and I lived in New York City for 20 years after growing up in Western New York. And someone would say, yeah, I'm, I'm from upstate, too. And I'd say, oh, where? And they'd say, like, Westchester. I'm like, well, that's not really upstate. White Plains. Yeah. Yeah. White Plains or whatever. So yeah, it's actually a really big state. And when we moved out of the city in 2015, we moved back to up. Well, I always call it upstate New York. I guess I'm going to now call it Western New York, but (laughs) we are six hours outside of the city. So it's a big state. Yeah. It's a beautiful part of the world that you're from too. I spend a lot of time playing lacrosse and hockey there growing up. So we were introduced by a mutual friend. We had a call and I think just the way that you are addressing the movement within the EA world and now in a, in a world where having a virtual assistant or kind of a fractional EA has become really commonplace and we in a world of Calendly, et cetera, I thought it'd be fun to have you on the show and talk about kind of what you're seeing trend-wise there, what you're seeing as best practices for folks to to leverage these resources, 
maybe some red flags against what not to do, or you've seen some traps. But before we get into all of that, I mean, how did you find yourself into this executive assistant world? Yeah, I actually, I went to, I guess you'd call it a specialty business school outside of Boston, Bentley. When I went way back when in the 90s, it was Bentley College, and now it's Bentley University. And I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit coming down from my father and all of his different businesses, as well as my stepfather running his own law practice. And so that seemed like a natural fit to go to a very special, a specialty business school. And when I was in college, I I studied abroad in Australia. I was playing music in a band while I was in Australia. And that really got me thinking about how can I leverage this business degree in the entertainment industry, something that I'm or music industry, something that I'm interested in. And when I got back to Boston for my senior year, I uh, worked for WIA, which is a record label, which is Warner Brothers, Elektra, and Atlantic, big record labels. And I, through that experience, I heard of a movie shooting in New York City right after I graduated. And so I graduated and moved to New York and started working on a film set and in a production office. And in the entertainment industry, the assistant position is really the first stepping stone that really kind of feeds people into the entertainment industry. And you've got men and women vying for these assistant seats, and they are Princeton, Harvard, Yale, law school grads or MBA grads because these assistant seats are are coveted in terms of how you can break into the industry and then and prove yourself and move up. So I was on that path and I kind of really fell in love with the creative aspect, writing and directing and, and that kind of work. And so I decided to take my executive assisting skills from the entertainment industry, move into the advertising world and kind of leverage that as my day job while I chased dreams outside the office. And then kind of seven, 10 years later, you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I have a career as an executive assistant. So that's kind of my path and how I kind of stayed in the role. What was that initial experience like? It must have been pretty wild to be thrust into entertainment space, which being based in Nashville, I have a little bit of exposure to just with music especially, but it's very much its own animal. Like they have their own, they keep their own hours. They are very character driven individuals typically. So actually I, we changed, I exchanged the introduction from somebody who was an EA within a, a very high profile country music family here in town that's looking for a, a, a new gig. And she had some pretty wild stories. So I'm, I'm sure that was quite a trip for you initially. It first day in New York. I got there on a Sunday and then on the Monday I go into the production office and I get step into the elevator and Meg Ryan steps in behind me. And it's just the two of us going up to the production office. And back then in 1996, it was really hard to get information about movies that were shooting. So I didn't even know at that point who was directing the movie, who was in the movie, what it was about. And I frankly just told Meg, I was just like, I'm totally starstruck. I'm like, are you in this movie that I'm going to work on? I mean, like, really? She basically just talked me right down and was so gracious. 
I mean, then I saw her every day for the next four months and it was, it was just a, it was a kind of mind blowing experience, but celebrities in that world, if you're on a film set and you're shooting nights, I mean, you're going into work at seven in the morning, you don't get out until 10 in the seven at night and you don't get out until 10 in the morning and it's go all the time. It is. And it's along with that fast pace, there's, there can be a lot of sharp elbows. It can be very emotionally intense. And I think that served me well when I moved into advertising because the person I went to go work for in advertising, he went through 13 assistants in one year and they needed someone with a thick skin. And so, yeah, that's how I got that job. But yeah, you're right. It's a different world. And what, looking back on it, do you think people maybe get wrong in terms of their assumptions of the scope of work or the type of work or what did you not appreciate on the front end that now you think, okay, yeah, that was really what the job looked like in retrospect? Well, I mean, in terms of dealing with celebrities, everyone puts their pants on one leg at a time. You're going to have nice people and not nice people. You're going to have people who have good days and people with bad days. So that kind of really demystified that whole kind of space. But I guess I would ask, is there something specific? I mean... I did everything. I mean, and that's the role of the assistant in an entertainment setting is you are doing everything. And so both Stephanie and my wife slash co-founder and I, our thesis is that the secretary position kind of shifted into the assistant position through the entertainment industry and how that was portrayed and through high finance and high fashion and how it's been portrayed. And when you're at a very high level and you're very close to the principal, they don't want to deal with anyone else. They want everyone to go to their assistant. And then their assistant is the inflection point that handles everything. And that's how we view the role. And I can get into, we can get into specifics if you want, but of what those bases are and how we cover them. But that is kind of, it's kind of what we feel the transition of the role has happened over the last 30 years. Right. I mean, I think you're the tip of the spear and my mind always just goes to the devil wears Prada. It's yep. like, I love that movie. And that's what I think of when I see the term executive assistant or in the family office world, you've got like a house manager or a COO for the family, maybe air traffic control. You're doing everything from like grabbing coffee to organizing big conferences and events and personal things. That line gets really blurred, I would assume. Right? Well, we, oh, I, I guess we just don't even feel there's a line there. And you're exactly right. It takes a unique person to be able to go and get coffee or schedule the dog walker and interact with the chairman of the board and everything in between. And when you get right down to it, it's about time. It's understanding that you as a principal are going to pay money to have someone who can keep you as efficient as possible, as well as keep you in the lane that you most enjoy and that you're most successful at. And that's where the relationship becomes very valuable and something that principals don't want to change when they find the right person. Right. Because when you're talking about some of these roles and positions, it really is a function of what is that person's highest and best use for the enterprise and what is the value of their time towards creating value for the enterprise and anything that they can get off their plate 
they should do so, but it's a hard role to fill. And so how have you seen that role change since you got into the business versus today, especially with the advent of the internet, social media, and like kind of the, the breadth and the scope of the job and what it's become? It really goes back in our mind. It goes back to 1999, 2000 with the introduction of the BlackBerry. And we had a, both Stephanie and I had an interesting vantage point, me from watching her and her actually in it during that time, really the only, well, entertainment and high finance were really the industries that would hand Blackberries out like Tic Tacs and changed the nature of the work in that. Stephanie could be at a restaurant at eight o'clock on a Saturday night and get a text and change a reservation or book a flight or step out onto the sidewalk and take a call or reply to an email. And that was never like codified in a policy, if you will. It just was. And when you're compensated at such a high level, it just is expected. And then you take, then you follow that thread from the BlackBerry to the iPhone, where that kind of democratized being able to have that kind of interaction with calendar contacts, email, texting, internet research, booking flights, all of that. And then you throw on top of it Tim Ferriss's book, The Four Hour Work Week, and how he popularized overseas virtual assistant support. And then you throw onto it Facebook, which was starting to open up in 2008 into everyone without a .edu email address. And you had social media and how that was leveraged to create legitimate online businesses. And where we saw an ability for us to do what we do remotely for clients was when the Mac platform and the PC platform kind of became ubiquitous themselves, along with going through the Chrome browser, Microsoft, and their suite of products working seamlessly between the two. It wasn't always the case that you couldn't be on a Mac and working with a PC or a PC and interacting with a Mac. And really around 2015, 2016, 2017, that became noticeable to us in our roles that, hey, we can really do this without being in the same state as our principal or client and doing like 98% of what we do. So, and then you have the little thing called the pandemic that came through and really opened everyone's eyes to remote work, hybrid work, and what that means. Yeah. I mean, it must've just been a wild time, the advent of the BlackBerry and to your point, I think a lot of folks just thought, oh, well, this will increase productivity, which it did. But I think looking back on it, we can all agree it didn't create more free time. It just created a larger amount of work that you were able to do because you could leverage other resources more easily than having to pick up the phone and, and do these things. You could do them all over the internet. And so it's it seems like the jobs for those kind of high profile positions, you're now expected to be a brand and PR and have a social media presence as well as actually do your day job and core job. And so it just seems like it just, everything got more. And to be able to leverage those assets like EAs became 
kind of table stakes for a lot of people, I would think, in order just to manage their lives. Uh, yeah, I absolutely. I also think that the C-suites in the world, when the BlackBerry came along and all the way up until the beginning of the pandemic, it was, as I said, the a remote work policy or a hybrid work policy was never instituted. It was just expected. And there was no rules around, well, am I being any compensated anymore? Or what if I don't answer an email at 930 at night? And what does that mean? And it opened up a lot of gray areas and a lot of discussions between principals and their assistants or their direct reports around some principals saying, hey, look, if I send you an email at nine o'clock at night, don't answer. That's just me getting it off our plate. Where other principals would be like, yeah, I want an answer. I know you're looking at it. And then, and so coming through COVID really forced a lot of companies to say, okay, we've had almost a free lunch for so long. Now we really need to codify our policies around hybrid remote work because one, applicants are asking about that before they even accept a job with us. And we can't turn around to an applicant and say, yeah, you can work two days a week at home, but not say anything to the rest of the staff and not really have that kind of bigger discussion around what it means for you and your company. And, and some companies are saying, no, you need to come back into the office and that's fine too. But it's all the way up until the pandemic technology leveraged outside time. And I, as to your point, it increased productivity by increasing the number of hours in the day that you had access to technology where you could leverage that to make changes and to move the needle, whether it's posting something on Facebook or doing a video or scheduling that board dinner or what have you. So it's a fascinating time. And what it's done is from in the assistant perspective is it's opened up so many options and we saw a gap and that's kind of where we position pro assisting. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And I think that the options are just going to continue to multiply as we continue to move forward. And then we can talk about AI and all of that kind of stuff as well. And really, how is that going to change support? And it's fascinating. We put together a free resource available exclusively to our podcast listeners. If you're looking for strategies to safeguard your portfolio against inflation, you want to check out our latest guide on the best alternative investments to consider. Head to ExcelsiorGP.com slash download to learn more. 
So let's get into kind of the state of play today. We've covered the run-up of technology and how that changed the game. COVID, we went way out into one extreme. I think there's been a pushback to your point about kind of having some rules of the game in terms of like when you respond to email, how, what work hours look like. We are having these conversations, whereas before it was kind of the Wild West. We're now entering to a phase of AI machine learning, and an even more global workforce. For me, I know I've got Calendly and I have an EA based out of the Philippines who helps me stay organized on a couple of things. And it's been a game changer in a lot of ways. So where are we today? And then, yeah, I would love to hear a commentary. Like what gets you excited? What do you think is coming down the pike that people should expect in this space? By the way, Kevin is great, your assistant, who I've interacted with in preparation for this show. And I don't think that's going away. I think the being able to find someone overseas where you're paying 5 or $10 an hour is actually fantastic if you find someone who meets your needs and, and, and what you're looking for. And then there's U.S.-based assistants where you can look for Upwork, Upwork or Fiverr and find U.S.-based assistants directly. And then there's virtual assistant companies where you're paying them and then they're paying the independent contractor and they're partnering you with someone. And then there's kind of where we sit, which is more at the higher end of the fractional slash remote executive assistant support. Then there's hiring full-time assistant support from the role of the reception to, to the office assistant, to the admin assistant, all the way up to the senior executive assistant or chief of staff for the CEO. And so you're covering a large swath of roles, if you will, and many different flavors. And I think with Calendly and links to schedule stuff on your calendar and in general, it's you're even seeing it creep in without even knowing it when Suri suggests, can I add this flight to your calendar? I mean, that's machine learning and AI in the background. We, frankly, being honest, I've kind of stuck my head in the sand around AI six months ago and previously. I just didn't want to hear it. And looking at it now, it, it can be a threat to our business, but I also think it's now an opportunity. And I think it could affect the overseas virtual assistants or the US-based virtual assistant world in terms of having that otter pilot on, link, on Zoom that's recording your Zoom calls and writing your notes and that kind of thing. But I do believe that there is, once you get to a certain level, there's a benefit to having someone who's an actual human that you know, like, and trust, and they know, like, and trust you, and you are able to leverage AI on behalf of them, where they don't have to learn it and keep up with it but they know that their office is being served better because you are driving AI to give them what they need, be more efficient while still providing that sense of hospitality and putting a great face on their office where someone walks away and says, I don't know where John found that assistant, but and I don't really know exactly what they did, but they made me feel heard. They were awesome. They followed up and... There's something to be said from that in terms of the soft skills, the interpersonal skills that I think AI is going to have a long way to go to catch up with that. But it's still about forming that partnership. 
with someone in our case. Yeah, I agree. I think like most of these things, the narrative is way overblown in terms of the ultimate impact. I believe that it will help make us all more efficient, but that just means that the tip of the spear is even more important because it's going to up the need to have a really high quality first touch point and somebody to kind of make sure that the trains are all running on time, but it will allow them to do their job, I think, easier. At least that's my hope. So if folks listening are interested in kind of using your services or just learning about the space, like how do they go about kind of qualifying an EA? What are the questions they should be asking? What are red flags? What's best practices? How do you start if you're interested in kind of building out a team internally or fractionally or virtually, where do you launch from? I would suggest first starting with yourself and what are your needs? If you start from your personal needs perspective and say, look, this is what I need X, Y, and Z. And these are asynchronous tasks, meaning I don't have to be involved. They can happen outside of business hours. and if it's like data entry or if it's working with mailing lists, email lists and doing some marketing or social media posting or paying some bills and doing some bookkeeping or, and it's a lot of asynchronous stuff, you can find great support overseas. You can find great support here. And I guess I would just say matching your needs to the support will get you the best bang for your buck, if you will. And hopefully set you up for a long-term success that is repeatable. If it, like take yourself, for example, in terms of leveraging Kevin from overseas, it's like he's pretty much handling the podcast where all you have to do is show up. And would you need a high-level executive assistant to do that? No, I don't think so. Are you looking at other parts of your life where it would make sense to partner with a high-level executive assistant and then add this onto their plate so you can bring your costs down, maybe. In terms of finding the right kind of assistant, I mean, for us and how we do it, I am looking at the hard experience first. What is on the resume? How long were they in roles? What were their responsibilities? How did that look? That then brings them to the top of the list for me to schedule a call. And I'm really focusing in on the interpersonal skills, the warmth, that I see through Zoom and then I hear through the phone, the how they interacted in the written word via text or and or email. How did that make me feel? How did that come across? And getting a sense and hearing their story, if you will, explaining any gaps in a resume. And in, sometimes you get really interesting answers, heartfelt answers. My mother was in, in hospice and I had to take three months off. And it's like, you, that doesn't show up on a resume. And someone being emotionally intelligent enough to communicate that is a huge plus in our world and what we're looking for. And if you are looking for that more higher level support, someone that you are excited to pick up the phone and call, you have to have that rapport and that feeling of no like and trust to where you're not holding anything back. And they'll see you at your good days and they'll see you at your bad days. And, and that's okay. So there's a whole part of it, frankly, is gut. How are you interacting with someone? And is what they're telling you, does it ring true based on what you're seeing on their resume? Because it's a really, it can be a very intimate relationship. And frankly, because 
we are welcome to doing the personal stuff. And what about red flags? Things that are, in your experience, been a no-go. A lot of times that comes up right on the resume or in the LinkedIn profile without even having a conversation. If I'm seeing three months here, eight months there, six months here, a year and a half there, that can be a, a, a red flag. I also talk to a lot of assistants who clear the bar in terms of what does the physical resume and LinkedIn profile look like, but getting a sense and I differentiate it between being a legacy assistant and being a modern assistant. And a legacy assistant is the gatekeeper, not afraid to throw sharp elbows, is a hawk on their on the the calendar and and not open and warm and trying to project an air of hospitality. I know because I used to be one of those and I had to go through a transition in my career where no, this is a modern assistant. This is someone who looks at the difference between service and hospitality, someone who is open and warm. And if you're dealing with a principal who is a go-getter, a hard-charging and, and a person, if they're smart, they want a modern assistant as that tip of the spear who softens them out, who can say no and have it be a velvet no and not that harsh no we don't deal with that the role of the assistant has a huge opportunity to make everyone who leaves their orbit feel heard feel welcome and project a positive feeling for the company the principal and as a whole and what about this world we live in today post-covid of digital nomads remote teams how are you advising C-suite folks to manage all that while leveraging you know, EAs or fractional VAs? What, what do you mean when you say digital nomads? Like folks who you might have a very disparately located team, right? So if I'm based in Nashville, but I've got my tech person who lives in Lithuania and my EA is in the Philippines and the increasingly even the executives are oftentimes living in Jackson Hole or Miami, but like the mothership might be in New York or San Francisco or Chicago. Right. It just seems like there's, it's very, it can be very spread out these days. And that's just kind of the norm. And so I'm, I'm curious kind of what you've seen within kind of the remote work as CEOs kind of transition, especially trying to encourage millennials and Gen Z's to obtain and maintain that talent. Well, the access to talent, if you break down geography is so, so important. And I think an advantage for people who embrace it. If you're working or if you are a CEO who wants to have that kind of team and structure, but yet you still demand having eight direct report meetings at your scheduled time every week, there's an incongruency there that is hard to match up. If you're a CEO who wants to have that dispersed team because you know you can get great talent and you're thinking along the lines of what's synchronous work that we need to be on Zoom for versus what's asynchronous work? Are you leveraging things like Loom where you can go through a report and speak to a camera and send that off and your director of technology or your 
copywriter or your designer can look at that at 10 o'clock at night and actually feel like they have you in the room. So you're leveraging the tools, you're determining what's synchronous versus asynchronous. That Monday morning, 11 a.m., hour and a half, all hands meeting that is set in stone in the calendar can be a great thing. But if you're doing that with every single meeting and, and trying to transfer what it was like being all in the same office to what it isn't, problems can arise. And it, it all comes from the top, though. You know, what, what, where is the mentality of the CEO and the C-suite in general? And how do they want to, to look at that? Well, Ethan, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and joining us today. It's been awesome to get to know you. And I hope people reach out because you've got some great content on your website and LinkedIn and providing a lot of resources for people in this world. You do have a book. We're going to share kind of a link for folks who listen, but could you tell us about kind of just very high level, what the book is about, where people can access it, what motivated you to write it, et cetera? Yeah, Stephanie and I wrote the book pretty much as an instruction manual for either executives, business owners, C-suite executives, entrepreneurs who either have never used an assistant at a high level and want to know how to, or someone who is partnered with an executive assistant and really wants to know that they're getting the most out of the relationship, out of the partnership. It's called The 29-Hour Workday a high performer's guide to leveraging your EA and the five extra hours in the workday refer to your executive assistant as being your business partner, your chief of staff, your project manager, your assistant slash scheduler, and your personal assistant. And by leveraging those five performance multipliers in the relationship with your assistant, the goal is to gain five hours in your day. And I'm happy to forward you a link that is password protected that you can put in the show notes that will allow someone either to download a PDF copy or listen to the audio book that just dropped last month. And so you can either listen chapter by chapter or from start to finish. So if you're running the treadmill or you're driving in the car, I'm a huge podcast listener and audio book listener. Your listeners may find some value in that. Yeah, 100%. We'll be sure to share all that in the show notes as well. Ethan, again, thank you for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. I look forward to distributing more information about the book and the audiobook. A question we ask folks to come on the show, do you have a daily practice that helps bring peace to your life? What Stephanie and I are really good at is practicing gratitude. We're really lucky and we don't want to lose sight of that. And running a business can sometimes get overwhelming or there's just an inherent stress even when things are going really well. And there are no fires to put out, but yet you're still stressed. And so acknowledging the gratitude of where we are and where we've come from and, and just being grateful for today is, is something that helps a lot. It's great. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for all the listeners for tuning in. Please do leave us a review. Let us know your favorite part of this conversation and do connect with Ethan. He's a great resource, a fellow upstate New York guy, which is always a lot of fun. <laughs> We'll have to come on and do another one where we really break down the book in a little bit more detail. But this was the first episode we've done about the EA space. So I just wanted to go kind of high profile. And I look forward to staying in touch and best of luck with the book moving forward. Absolutely, Brian. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us for today's conversation on the Capital Club podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, 
rate, and leave us a review. And please follow us on your favorite streaming platform so you never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.